right, guys, we're going to get started here. Good to see you this morning. If I haven't met you, my name is Mitchell, and I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch, and just glad you guys decided to join us this morning for worship, <laughs> and uh, just pumped for this morning. You know, God is here as we worship. Hopefully you, you sensed his presence and his nearness, even if that is new to you. Hopefully you realize that when we sing his name and we gather in his name, he promised that he's with us. Uh, in this room, and so I just hope you felt him, uh, but even as we dive into his word, we want you to sense his nearness and his presence as well, and uh, sometimes when we read the Bible, it's convicting, so if you feel like, ooh, then that is the Lord's presence, so just be encouraged, <laughs> and uh, I'm excited for today, a couple, let me just repeat a couple things Maggie said, one is if you are newer here, haven't met us, please stop by Next Steps just for a couple minutes, we'd love to shake your hand and say thanks for coming. And then um, two other things. Um, one, she mentioned Tijuana. So that is, where are my college students at? Raise your hand, college students. I see like a group of U of A over here and the JVU crews over, always on this side against that wall. I mean, watch out for those eagles, all right? Um, but hey, this, uh, this trip, uh, we call it Revive. It's our spring break mission trip. And um, usually we gear it towards college students. Really, it's open to anybody that wants to come, uh, March 17th to 24th. And yeah, I just want to encourage you to really at least pray about it, at least consider it. There's really nothing I can think of that would be better, unless the Lord, of course, clearly speaks to you, but nothing better to do with your spring break than to use it to like, trust Jesus, but also serve others. And there are so many that are in need in Tijuana, really all over the world, but in Tijuana, we're going to get to uh, rub shoulders with and interact with people that are different than us. And it's just so worth it to give up a spring break to go serve those in need. And then you can come back and, and tell amazing, fun stories of how you serve people. And uh, just say it's so worth it. So I want to encourage you guys to consider coming, pray about it. And then the second thing is the Pillars Lunch is happening next um, week in the volunteer training. Pretty much all I want to say is we need more pillars in this church. As you look around and we got people filling up the balcony, we are growing. And as we're growing, we just need more people to uh, step up. So many of you do this, so thank you. But if you're not currently a pillar or serving and volunteering in a way, we do need more volunteers. So I would encourage you to jump in to, to do that as well. All right, you guys ready for the message this morning? Okay, if you got a Bible, turn to the book of Ephesians. Uh, we're going to be hanging out there mainly in chapter 4 today. Uh, but if you were not here last week, we kicked off a series that we're titling Health of the House. And this series kind of came out of this sense as we turned the corner in 2023. It came out of this sense that um, with our church family, our church body, the Lord has graciously allowed us to, in a sense, quote unquote, complete kind of phase one of our church. We've only been around about three years, a little over three years, and uh, in that phase one is kind of the foundation uh, season or foundation stage, and thankfully by his grace we were able to lay a strong foundation here as a church. But I'm just committed as the uh, point leader of this church to make sure that anything we build on that foundation is going to be healthy. And it's kind of using the analogy of this imagery of the house, we want to make sure that the house that we're building is a healthy house. So another way to say that is the church that we are a part of, we want to make sure it's a healthy church. How many of you guys uh, would like to be a part of a healthy church? Anybody in this room? Great. Me too. If not, I, there is something wrong if you don't want to be a part of a healthy church. But I think you guys all want to be a part of a healthy church. Here's uh, in Ephesians 2 is kind of the main uh, kind of vision passage uh, for this series. It says this in verse 19 through 22. It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, 
in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I love that phrase. I'm going to read it again, just like I did last week. What we're building here is to make this place a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. Man, when we think about church and we think about gathering together in his name, I want you guys to be thinking, is this a dwelling place for God to come and meet with us by the Holy Spirit? That is what we're after. That's what the word of God says the church is. It's a dwelling place of God by the Holy Spirit. It's where he loves to dwell and loves and come and meet with us. And so we are pursuing this as a church and really wanting to provide a sense of just a healthy house here. And there are four main things that I, I, I um, kind of laid out for us that we're going to be unpacking over the next few weeks. And here's a slide that kind of lists the four main things that we thought of to come up with a healthy church. And here's what it is. A healthy church has, everyone, four things. Experiencing God, connected to the body, contributing to the body, and equipped for ministry. Most of those phrases are coming out of Ephesians 4 that we're going to look at today. Last week, we talked about experiencing God. How many of you guys love God? You like experiencing him and feeling his nearness and sensing him. So I talked about last week how there's the element of, you know, experiencing God where it's super exciting and joyful and you get the goosebumps and it's awesome. But mainly last week I talked about the other side of experiencing God, which I would say would be the fear of the Lord or just being in awe and just shocked by how real and alive that he is. And uh, there's different elements, of course, of experiencing God. But we talked about three and there's a slide just to remind you guys Elements of experiencing God, we need to make sure that we are fearing him and spending time with him, but also enjoying him as well. And hopefully if you were at Life Group last week, we talked a lot about spending time with him. That's my number one encouragement if you want to continue to experience God in your life is just build the habit and the norm of spending time with him every single day. Like set aside focus time. Of course, enjoy him all throughout the day. Talk to him in your car and as you're walking uh, to work or to class or around your home, but just want to encourage you to set aside, just even if it's just a little bit of time, just to connect with him in a focused way. That allows you to continue to experience God, not just here at a church service, but also all throughout your week. Today, though, what we're going to do is look at that second one. A healthy church has everyone connected to the body. Everybody say connected to the body. Connect, connected, connected, connected to the body. And so what do I mean by that? A healthy church or healthy house that we're trying to build here is not one that's just made up of a bunch of disconnected individuals, but there is a connection relationally and, of course, with the same values and vision going the same direction. That is what it looks like to have a connected body. That's what I mean by a connected body. It's not just this room full of 150, 160 individuals all doing our own thing, but there is a common thread between us relationally and in the direction that we are heading. Now, listen, I want to just talk about this, the bigger picture. What, what God could have done versus what he did do. When God saved us, we just sang about it, right? You saved me. You saved me. And it's such a great song. I love it. I'm like, yes, you did. You really saved me. But he saved us. What he could have done, he could have saved us all as only just individuals and only, like, kind of kept us on an island. And it could have only been just a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. He could have done that. Now, there are elements of what I just said that are true. You do have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. It is personal, very personal. But he, that's not where the Bible stops. He saved us into his family. He sa he's a father, and we are his children. He saves us into a family. 
And um, honestly, we see little trickles of uh, a mindset that many of us need to overcome, including myself, uh, because in our culture in America, we are very hyper-individualistic. And so if you come to church and I don't give you something that's just for you, to help you, and I start to talk about we, it's kind of like, man, why are you talking about we all the time? (laughs) Well, it's because we have this mindset that it's really all about me at the core, but as you look throughout scripture, God calls his church, his people, a family. It's a we, primarily, and some of you guys are brand new here at this church, or you might be still hopping around trying to figure out where do you um, belong, where's God calling you, and that's amazing, so you don't feel like a we yet, but as God continues to establish this church, and I pray this for every other church, that there is a true sense of a a we in the room, that we are going somewhere together, that we are family. And you hear things, here's some some signs, if you have these thoughts, or if you hear these phrases that are are evidence of kind of our hyper-individualistic mindset that we kind of put into the church. You know, one is this phrase, you know, hey, we, you know, we just do church online. That's church for me. Or hey, you know, church to me is walking on the beach and talking to Jesus and enjoying nature which I like, walking on beaches, enjoying nature, and talking to Jesus. Or phrases like, you know, my faith is really just a private thing. And I say this not to, like, come against anybody, but just to help us be aware that those phrases might be common or you might hear it, but it's just not biblical. And so what I want to do is present something that's a little more biblical so that one, anybody in this room, I mean, I'm, you're, t- you're in a church, so you're winning already, all right? <laughs> okay, I'm not mad at you, all right? I'm not mad at really anybody except the devil. Anyways, uh, but just, you know, we're just, I want us to look at the scriptures together and figure out what does the Lord actually call us to, and it's really clear he calls us into a family. Okay, so two, I mean, let me reread verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens. Everybody say citizens. With the saints and members, say members, of the household of God. Okay, so already you see that in that passage, this kind of group identity and um, kind of ownership here and connectedness. And then this is a psalm. I love this psalm so much. Psalm 68, verse 6. Just the first part. It says, God sets the lonely in families. God sets the lonely in families. He loves to do this. He's a father that takes orphans, brings them into a family, and you get to experience his love and the love of a family. It's so beautiful. And as I was praying this morning, I just, I felt like, and I wrote this down here in my notes, um, that there's maybe a few of us in this room that, uh, you know, according to maybe your social media status or according to your Instagram feed or followers, it doesn't look like you're lonely, but I just felt like the Lord was just seeing through that and he sees a few of us that might feel a little bit lonely, at least in our soul. You know you don't have very many deep soul friends or people that you can really connect with. And I just feel like there's an invitation from God this morning to go from like this facade of being known to actually being known by his family. Because that's where life is. That's where healing happens. That's where joy comes. That's where truth comes. That's where you grow. And uh, the Lord, uh, Lord hates to see those that are isolated and alone. And he wants to bring people into family. And just believing for that this morning. So we're going to be diving into Ephesians chapter 4, pretty much um, 1 through 16. But let me just pray. Pray the Lord will do what I just said. Just bring us into family this morning and that he would speak to us through Ephesians 4. So pray with me. Lord, here we are. We just ask you right now to speak to us through your word. But Lord, I just also pray for anyone in this room that just feels lonely. Lord, you bring them into family this morning. 
first with you as their father who loves them, who sees them, who knows them by name and cares about every detail of their life and is so present and personal. They know you as father. And, Lord, anyone that just feels disconnected relationally and just doesn't seem to be known by anybody else, Lord, I just ask you to bring them into family this morning. They would find a place here that is welcoming, loving, and accepting, and is going to point them to truth, point them to you, Jesus. So do that this morning, and Lord, we thank you that your word is living and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. So Lord, we ask you joyfully, come and pierce us today with the sword of the Spirit. Come and meet with us. Come and teach us through your word in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. All right, Ephesians 4. You guys there? If you're there, say I'm there. All right. If you'd like to use the screen as your Bible, that's also fine. It'll be there too. As soon as that pops up, you can say, I'm there. All right, Ephesians 4. Ready? Ready? Here it goes. There you go. I'm there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to take it kind of section by section here and would love for you guys to reread Ephesians 4 later today if you have time or listen to it on your way home or something because we love preaching the word of God here, but I just want us to be grounded in his word and I want you guys to kind of study his word even when somebody else preaches it with a microphone, it's great. Thanks for listening and most of you are pretty receptive, but just don't take my word for it. But you go find the truth in scripture yourself. But here we go, Ephesians 4. Let's look at, we're going to start verse 1 through 6. It says, I therefore, now Paul is writing this, okay, he's writing it to a group of believers in Ephesus. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So let's talk about Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 for a second. Starts off by, you know, casually, Paul's like, hey, you know, I'm a prisoner for the Lord, which literally he spent a lot of time in prison. (laughs) But he's reminded them that, hey, guys, my life and really your life doesn't belong to yourself. It belongs to him. You belong to him. That's the, that's the, he's the best one to be a prisoner for, the Lord. <laughs> that's the best one. You belong to him. And here's what he's urging this church. He says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, um, even though some, half of us don't know what that means, which I might put myself in that category, but if, if, if there is an opportunity to walk, quote, unquote, worthy of the calling, how many of you guys want to walk worthy of that calling? Yes, several of you do. <laughs> Wish it was all of you, but several of you do. That's encouraging. We want to walk worthy of the calling that which we were called. Well, thankfully, as we're discovering, what does that even mean? Now, it doesn't mean you're making yourself worthy so God accepts you. That's not what it means. It means that you're living in such a way that it resembles as if you've been saved, as if you've really been impacted by the gospel, as if you've really been set free by his, by his blood and by his, his love. And he goes on to explain with more detail and more words, here are some fruits or some examples that you're walking worthy of the calling to which you're called. Okay, so here's a couple words. You can put them on the screen here. Um, descriptions of walking worthy of the calling. Okay, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, love, and eager maintaining of unity and a bond of peace. Why don't you keep that up there just for a second. All right, so I put these up here because these are evidences that we're walking worthy of the calling 
Now, as you look at this list, you know, some of them might be convicting, like, oh, I really need to grow in humility. Yep, ooh, I really need to go in, grow in gentleness. And then you say, you say that for all of them. <laughs> That's what I say when I look at that list. But here's the main thing I want you to notice. If this is a description of walking worthy of our calling, I want you to notice something about these. Every single one of these words cannot actually be lived out if you are disconnected relationally. These are all 100% relational descriptions of walking worthy of our calling. Okay? You can try really hard to be humble if all, the only relationship you have is you and God, which hopefully you are humble towards God. But the real test of humility is when, well, how do you respond when someone wrongs you? How do you respond when, you know, somebody does something that you don't like? Same with gentleness and patience. Obviously, bearing with one another. You, you can't, I mean, I guess you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm going I'm to bear with you, man. You know, I, I don't know. You try it out. But you see the, the point here. Even that eager maintaining. I looked up that word maintaining. It's like a diligent kind of perseverance towards your relationships. Isn't that interesting? You know, I think the, the, the more natural thing is to have a casual sense about the relationships around us. Like, yeah, I think they're going well. But this seems to uh, just bring us into this place of, hey, you've got to fight for your relationships. You've got you to gotta maintain. You've got to diligently press in if you want your relationships to be unified and to be healthy. Okay, and so here's kind of my, one of my main points for this whole message here is, uh, and, and I put it on the slide just so you can write it down and take a picture. And that's this. I want to submit to you that we cannot, quote-unquote, walk worthy of our calling without being deeply connected relationally. According to Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, it looks like we can't really walk worthy of our calling. Now, just remember, I'm not talking about you're making yourself worthy to be accepted by God. No, no, no. This means what is the manner by which God invites us to walk as a follower of Jesus? It's just going to be really difficult to do that if you're not deeply connected relationally. Now, the best context of this passage, though there's lots of different types of relationships in our lives, but the best application here, according to the context, is relationships with the body of Christ. It is amazing to have relationships with your natural family, uh, with your roommates, with your close buddies in your fraternity or sorority. I, don't, I guess you don't call each other buddies if you're in sorority. But anyways, you know what I mean. Or your organization. Like That is amazing, and you should apply these words, but the main context here is the way that we interact as a body of Christ. That is the best application to this passage at least. So for some of us in this room, I mean, you guys are living this out and getting experiences day in and day out, which is awesome. But for some of us, it requires a step of faith and being courageous to open up our heart to those of us in this room or those of us around us. So let's keep diving into this a little bit. And uh, many of you, again, are doing this so well. Uh, but here are just a, some of a few common reasons why we hesitate to get connected relationally, and especially going deep with one another. I have a slide of a couple common things that come up that keep us disconnected with little mindsets and phrases. Now listen, this is, um, you're at church today. Many of you are in life group. I think there's about 75% of our attendance on Sunday. You're in a life group, so you're walking this stuff out, which is amazing. But take this stuff that you're hearing. If you have friends that are disconnected from the church, disconnected from the body, share some of these things with them. Have real conversations with them. But here are a couple common things that come up. In our minds, I'm too busy uh, to get connected relationally. A fear of rejection is a common one where you just, yeah, man, I don't know if, if you know, it's kind of similar to some of the things that I wrote down after that. But, man, I just, I don't know if people are going to really fully accept me for who I am. Or no one understands me. Or I've been hurt before. No one really cares about me. 
Other thoughts would be, I'm doing fine just as I am. It's a little too inconvenient. I'm not really a people person. That's a good one. And then the last one says outlier syndrome. This is something that I, some phrase I came up with because I've struggled with it so much. But, you know, when I hear a message like this, I just oftentimes would think, okay, yeah, that's good, solid truth for most people in this room. But, you know, I am a special man. <laughs> I, can get encur- I can encourage myself in the Lord like David did. He said he strengthened himself in the Lord, you know, and, and uh, I'm, I'm great. I'm just going deep in Jesus myself. You know, I, I get it because I'm that guy. But the, Lord, the more I study Scripture, the more I live, the more I'm like, oh, my goodness, some of these things are true. It is pretty inconvenient to bring a family of six in a car, get them to a place on time called Life Group, and then see them destroy your friend's house and then um, try to worship. But then you hear babies in the background, ah! you know, screaming their head off. And you're like, yeah, Lord, we love you. Help us. You know, just it's family life group. All right. A little picture. Uh, family life group. Uh, if you don't have kids, young adults, college, enjoy the peace and quiet while it lasts, okay? Do you ever complain about your life group? All right. Um, you know, some of these things are true. Some of these are lies from the enemy, you know, really clearly, of course. You know, um, man, people love you, and people have walked through the very same things you've walked through, the very thing that you think no one would understand. Oh, my goodness. I bet you there's multiple people in this room that have walked through the same exact thing you've walked through. And this is a place, hopefully, that you feel the love of God, but also the love of others. And now, listen, there's grace in this journey. If you're struggling with some of these thoughts, and these things, there's so much grace. But we want to be just gentle and faithful to lead us and at least invite any of us. And, again, take this and share it with your friends that aren't connected. We want to gently and faithfully lead us in the right direction, the biblical direction, which is to be connected relationally with one another. All right, let's move on here. Ephesians 4. Now we're going to skip down to verse 11. In 12, here's what it says. It says, he gave, this Jesus, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Let me pause there. We'll get to the rest of it in just a second. So this, these little passages, again, the context here is obviously talking about the body of Christ. And these two uh, verses really speak about what I would call the leadership structure and organization within a church body. All right, now let me comment on a couple things. Verse 11, it says, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Commonly, that would be called the five-fold ministry. And what I don't see and don't think is super biblical is that you have to, like everybody in a church body has to fit into one of these five categories or roles. I also, you know, at least here, we don't um, just like deem, you're an apostle, you're a prophet. You're, I mean, I think there are people that have a grace and a gifting that looks like some of these things. Like there's some really gifted teachers here and evangelists here. Um, but we're not deeming you this and giving you a bunch of titles because oftentimes that can just bleed into pride and arrogance. And I am the prophet of the house. <laughs> like, okay, why are you talking so deeply? Anyways, because I'm a prophet. Anyways. Um, <laughs> okay, but I think... Um, what the Lord is showing here is, hey, he, he, Jesus, again, remember, this is from the Lord. Jesus gives specific roles and leadership roles to help his body function healthily. And what I want to do just for a second here is it might feel like a little tangent, but I think it's worth it. And I'm probably going to read most of this and not look at you while I read it because I just want to, I want to like, I want to address a pretty common trend that's um, 
kind of happening definitely in the last couple of years ever since COVID came up. Now, again, I'm talking to, you know, 150 people inside a church building on a Sunday. All right. And so, but, but many of you have friends that used to be plugged into a church, but now they're kind of disconnected. And the trend is just um, that of just disconnecting from the church because the church, you know, is wrong or the church is bad. And here's some of the mindsets, you know, it's like, hey, I still love and follow Jesus, and I might even meet with a group of friends that follow Jesus, but we don't do church because it's too big, it's too political, it's too corrupt, or it's too institutionalized, okay? Nod your head if you've at least heard some of these thoughts or you've thought these thoughts before. I, I'm with you. <clears throat> now, listen, the reality is every single church, every body of believers has weaknesses, okay? So if you want to find a perfect church, Yikes. Yeah, I know that's a great response, Thomas. Thank you. <laughs> you won't. You won't. Sorry. Until the Lord returns, we're going to have weaknesses. We're going to have struggles. I'm going to have blind spots. There's going to be things that we're strong in and good in and things that we're not. Okay, but collectively, the more we um, pursue Jesus together, the more we strengthen each other and hold each other accountable, the more we are humble and and just confess our needs to one another, the stronger and the healthier that we get. <clears throat> now, just with this trend of kind of disconnecting from the church, pretty much what I want to do is just give a clear um, warning. And it's, again, not necessary to you, but it's just a warning about this trend as it, you will hear it come up often. Many of you, again, you probably think of names or people that used to be involved in church but got disconnected. The clear warning is that um, it can be dangerous and heading in the wrong direction when you say peace out on the church, especially when you label it at large. Now, there are um, so many different models of church and how to do church. There is anything from small church to big church to medium church, church with buildings, church only in homes or house church networks. Uh, there's churches that meet in tents, churches that meet outdoors. There are those that are more centralized, those that are more decentralized. And the reality is the model and the method, there's a lot of biblical room for how it looks. And one of the worst things we can do is just decide there's only one way. However, um, the only way to do church healthily and biblically is to have clear leadership and structure and organization. According to Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5, 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus, and all of Acts. <laughs> Now, but when I say things like leadership and structure, and especially some of you organization, like, mm, that sounds too stiff. I thought we were following the spirit, not robots. Anyways, okay, that's fine. Um, the problem with the trend to pull away from organized church is that many of these folks or these groups pull away from the larger body of Christ because of hurt, pain, offense, disagreements, and a desire to no longer be under anybody else's leadership. Not every time, but oftentimes, those are some common trends. <clears throat> and then some people say, oh, forget, I'm just going to do, you know, me and, me and God, that's it, that's it. Some people say, hey, you know what, no, let's gather with some friends that are also mad, and let's, let's form a little house church, this is church, okay? And uh, with that, sometimes there's like a casual undertaking of leadership, kind of casually, loosely, yeah, 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 I'll organize this, sure, you guys come up to my house and we'll study the Bible together, this is church, all right? 
Uh, but biblically, in regards to leadership within the church, there seems to be a clear and prayerful call from God uh, to lead in this church. Then it's confirmed by others that are also listening to the Spirit and actually have relationship with one another. You'll see this all throughout the book of Acts. If you ever have read Acts before, you'll see it throughout the epistles where Paul says, hey, I want you to pray through this. I want you to lay, like, discern and lay hands on people to ask them to lead because this is a high calling. Okay? <laughs> you even see in Acts, what is this, chapter 6, you see the early uh, church leaders pray and fast to deem a few guys to serve soup. Acts chapter 6. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I'm like, wow, they really took that prayerfully. <laughs> okay, just kind of go like this. Here you go. You know? <laughs> but they, they prayed about it because every little part of the body of Christ, you know, we want it to be prayerful and led by the Lord. And then a couple other comments about leadership within the, the, the church. Those leaders that receive this call and get it confirmed by those around them, they, ha- they need to count the cost of leading. Okay, and then, then to take on the responsibility with seriousness and conviction and the fear of the Lord and not casually. Now, in the positive sense, when leadership is done well, um, what can that look like or what can that provide a true biblical healthy leadership structure and organization in a church? It can pr- provide covering, safety, care, clear vision and direction, authority, clear teaching and sound doctrine, empowering and equipping of the saints and the members that are a part of that church, uh, help with conflict resolution and decision making, and the list goes on. All of that hopefully leading to what Ephesians 4.12 says, the building up or the strengthening of the body. Now, those leaders that are called to lead are supposed to take their role seriously and humbly and to not do so for personal gain, but out of a clear and pure heart to serve those that they are leading, knowing that they will be held more accountable uh, than others before the Lord. James 3.1. If everyone's like, yeah, I want to lead in the church. I want to be a pastor and leader. It's like, hey, just read James 3 verse 1. It says you'll be judged more strictly. So come on and lead with me, guys. <laughs> it's just wonderful. Uh, so I, I took you on that little tangent because what I'm addressing is like a pretty common thought and mindset that I think is really unfortunately leading quite a few astray and they're disconnecting themselves. Um, and it's, it, when you disconnect yourself from the body, that includes the head. Over time, you're just, you're just disconnecting yourself from the life and the joy. And now listen, the reality is all of us have pain and hard situations, and not every situation is the same, and so there's so much grace. But we want to make sure that what we are pursuing and what we come back to is what does Scripture actually teach um, about how the body of Christ is supposed to function together, especially in regards to uh, leadership. Now here's the passage just to summarize this point, then I'll jump back into the rest of Ephesians 4. Uh, this is like really expresses our heart as well here at church, but here it is. First Peter five, one through five says, so I exhorted the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you not for shameful gain, but eagerly not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I love in this passage that there are um, 
You know, four out of, out of five verses, four of them are strong encouragements, even warnings to the leaders. Four out of five are for the leaders. <laughs> Take this seriously, humbly, and do not do it selfishly. You'll be held accountable to God. And then verse five kind of wraps in, hey, we're all in this together. We're going to be subject to one another. We're going to humble ourselves before each other and walk in a spirit of humility. Isn't that great? It's kind of wraps this whole thing together. If you are curious about how, what our leadership structure looks like here at Antioch, then you can stick around uh, today and come to Intro to Antioch because we briefly talk about that, and you can ask some questions and stuff. But anyways, there's the tangent on bi- bi- uh, what the Bible says about the church and organized church and leadership and all that stuff. And then um, you can go find 260,000 podcasts that tell you otherwise, but just encourage you to read the Bible. <laughs> it's good stuff. Okay, here we go. Let's keep going. Ephesians 4, 13 through 15. It says, as we are um, submitted to his way of doing church and we're getting built up and edified, verse 13 through 15 tells us a little bit of kind of the fruit of getting connected to the body. It says this, we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, we're speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Let me pause there. So those few verses begin to unfold. Oh my goodness, here's the beauty. Here's the fruit. Here's the glory. If, as we get connected to one another relationally, as we really operate as a healthy body, here's what happens. Again, I, I uh, summarize this in a few things. It's pretty much connection to the body leads to certain things, and then it also provides opportunity for certain things. So here's a few things according to these verses that it leads to. It'll be up here on the screen. Connection to the body leads to the unity of the faith, knowledge of the Son of God, maturity, the fullness of Christ, discernment, and protection from being led astray. Any of those things sound good to you? You want to experience some of these things in your life? All right, keep that up there just for a little bit. Unity of the faith. Let me just kind of briefly describe these. Okay, unity of the faith, I think of... When we are connected to the body, it helps us stay focused and unified on the main things and what truly matters instead of getting distracted by what doesn't matter as much. There's a unity in our faith. We're laying aside the differences that don't matter as much and we're keeping the main things the main things. A unity in the faith. Knowledge of the Son of God. I think of Ephesians 1.17 that says the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God. If you want to know God more, I would suggest and submit to you, you need to be connected to the body. Like you will learn more about who he is by connecting yourself to everybody else. Because scripture says that we see and we know in part. But when we have different people sharing different just glimpses they're getting of God, different insights they're getting through scripture, it gives us a more full picture. And we get to have more understanding and knowledge of who God is. Maturity, you know, I love this. It's just, it's just the more you get connected with others in the body, the more little immaturities kind of get, get brought out of us. Okay? And that process will last forever, <laughs> okay? So in my 30s, I'm like, man, I'm still getting a little immaturities out of me because as I rub shoulders with other people, you know, it's helping me see, like, I got places to grow. And the next one, fullness of Christ. Again, similar to what I said about the knowledge of the Son of God. You just get a more full picture of who Jesus is. And then there's a little phrase in Ephesians 3, the chapter before, that says we are filled with his fullness, Again, what does that even mean? I don't know, but I want to make sure I'm not getting filled with part. <laughs> I want to be filled with his fullness, the fullness of Christ. Discernment, I pulled that out of a couple of verses there. Hopefully you see, you know, not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. 
as you get connected to the body, you are able to grow in discernment. Other people help you discern what's truth and what's lies. You get to see them more clearly. You get to uh, be held accountable to solid teaching or not solid teaching. And people can help you. And then you get protection. Very similar to this, you get protection from being led astray. And the reality is, none of us need to be afraid of this if you're a follower of Jesus, but none of us are also immune to being led astray. We need to be held accountable to the things that we're believing and receiving because it helps us walk the narrow road. All right, you tracking with me? So the connection to the body leads to these things according to Ephesians 4, 13 through 15. And then it also provides opportunities for three other things. Provides opportunities, connection to the body, provides opportunities to speak and to hear the truth in love, to grow up, and also to be pointed back to the head, which is Jesus. You see that in verse 15? It says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Everybody say grow up. In every way into him who is the head into Christ. So what are we growing up to? We're not growing up to one another. You're not growing up to be like your life group leader. You're not growing up to be like a pastor. You're growing up into Christ to be more like him. And we're helping each other point each other to him. He is the head. Let me comment on this speaking the truth. And, and also, if the truth is being spoken, it also needs to be heard. Tracking. <laughs> That's why I put that word in there also. I think of two different elements. Every time you hear the word speak the truth in love, you're like, at least I often think, okay, i got to say something really hard and truthful because truth is always hard, but I'm going to say it nicely. <laughs> you know? I, don't know what, I don't know if it's what you think of when you hear that verse because it's quoted often. Like, hey, no, 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 speak the truth in love. But let me give you another element of that. Oftentimes, many of us believe lies. <laughs> we believe lies about our worth and our value and our identity. The first time that I got into a life group setting and they did what's called an encouragement circle, I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> and what they would do is they would just pick a few people in life group, and then they would take just a few minutes, and like three, four, or five people would go around and encourage or speak truth over that person. And the first time that I was in an environment like that, they picked me. I was like, oh, hope we say nice things. You know? And then they just they call out the goal that they had seen in my life which was like truth. And so many of them said things that I didn't believe, but when they said it, I realized that I had been believing lies. And they had said it because they loved me and wanted to encourage me and call out the good. And gosh, that is so encouraging. If you've ever had a setting like that, my goodness, it is so encouraging to be spoken life over instead of being criticized and torn down. And um, this is so beautiful. That is, that is part of what this verse means. Then there's also the other part, and I always think of my friend Matt. He's my best man at my wedding. I've shared a story about him once, and then I realized, oh, I got another story very similar. Matt liked to call me out on some things, all right? <laughs> okay, called me out once for pretty much stealing music by not paying for it and burning CDs. I told you that story once. But then I was <laughs> in the car with him, uh, I don't know, months later, and I, I, I didn't mean, like, I didn't have bad intentions, but did you guys know we can still make mistakes with great intentions? So you need to hear that. All right. All right. <laughs> Which, again, you're, you're fine if you just repent, help yourself full, Lord. But with great intentions, we can still do stupid things. All right. Uh, and I was in the car with them, and I was, um, he was just talking and asking how things were going. There was something heavy on my heart because of a friend and, and um, just some decisions that friend had made. And then I, I told him, like, detail about, hey, man, I'm sad about this because this friend chose this and chose this. And this guy had never knows who I was referring to, um, but he just kind of like paused after I said all that stuff. And again, I was just trying to be honest with what was troubling me. Then he says, "You know, Mitchell, 
I wonder if you really should share our other friend's sin with me. Instead of just letting me partner with you to pray for him, or at least honoring him by letting him confess that to me because I'm his friend too. And he said that, and I was like, Matt. <laughs> That's what you do, Matt, isn't it? I felt conviction. I felt conviction. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, if I was this guy who had made some mistakes and had sinned, I wouldn't want my other buddy to tell another friend all the sin I did. <laughs> and it just hit me. I'm like, oh, there is a better, more honoring way to go about this. And that was right, of course. I haven't seen Matt in years, but I'm going to text him today and say thank you. And say thank you. We need that. And then what that did, that was, that was a marker for me. And the way that I do not either gossip or slander or speak negative about other people, even when they're not around, which the Bible is clear about how that, and we will be held accountable for every word that we speak. And Matt was helping me um, in that area. So there are different sides of speaking the truth in love, but this, like, if I didn't have my buddy, if I didn't have the body of Christ, I wasn't connected to him, I would miss out on that opportunity to grow. You tracking with me? Make sense? All right. Now, here's what we're going to do. Um, we're closing up here, and um, pretty much what I wanted to do was um, close it up with a few testimonies where this is not just teaching we see in Ephesians 4, but what we're trying to do here at Antioch is actually live this out, okay? And the most common passage that we... Um, go to in regards to when we think about community and being connected to the body is Acts 2, 42 through 47. And if you're in a life group, we pretty much read this every single week. I am going to read it, but mainly I want you to just hear a few testimonies of people that have been impacted by actually embracing this. So here you go. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to have a few people come on up. So Acts 2, 42 through 47 says this. The early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Beautiful picture of the early church and how it functioned together. But if you are one of those three that are going to share a quick testimony, I want you guys to come on up here. I got Anna, I got Joey, and I got Melissa. Give it up for them real quick. And they, um, again, like I said, this is not just something we want to read, but we want to live this out. And again, if you're, especially if you're not in the life group here, hopefully this will be really encouraging to you. Um, because all within the last, uh, for sure, the last two years, when did you start coming, Joey? Beginning of 21? Okay, great. So um, all of them have been in life group here for uh, two years or less. And uh, just living this out, they've been able to experience some of the stuff we're talking about. So Anna, kick us off. Hey guys, um, so bear with me. Um, <laughs> uh, I really like believe that the church is supposed to be like about the body, and I think that like whenever I first came to Antioch, I thought it was awesome. We did life group. I went to it, and even though I already met people like on Sundays, uh, life group is where I made like my best friends basically, um, and so I'm just really thankful for that. But um, yeah, I was just in a season of loneliness, and it became my church family really fast, and that was really cool. So thank you, guys. Um, but yeah, and so um, what was I going to say? Oh, my gosh. Um, so there are, like, three different times that besides becoming good friends with everybody, I've been blessed through Life Group financially. I think that um, in community, it's pushed me to humble myself and to, like, as I've become an adult and, like, graduated college, like, asking for help when I need help 
because like the world teaches us to just like do it on our own and like we have to make it and being in community has like changed how I viewed that and like challenged me and humbled me and so um there's like three different times where I've just been like in desperate need of help and like confided in a friend at church and then been completely blessed by this body financially. Um, the last one was this past month. Uh, some people raised money for me to get a new car and that was just, thank you guys again. Um, but like they've helped me with my first month's rent, like all of the things. And so it's just been cool because like my best friends are here and also like I've just been blessed by this body and covered by this body and it's made me be able to grow more in my identity in Christ and just like let me run. So thank you guys. awesome thank you anna and just um loved i mean verse 45 of what we just read they sold their possessions and belongings and distributed to those who had need praise god way to go church living this out so let's hear a couple other testimonies how has life group and community impacted you joey yeah so life group for me it's just like yeah just that community of people who are there to walk with you like every single day of your life um, like Sunday obviously is super great because we all get to be together um, but then we leave um, so the life group like relationships that you have are those people that you're gonna like call at the in the middle of the night when you're getting tempted or something like there's gonna be someone like hey I need you to pray with me right now and they will actually do it um, which is like from where I grew up like my friends wouldn't actually do it I'll be like hey I need help and like they leave me on red or something um, <laughs> But here it's like they walk it out, um, which for me, I know I've told a couple of guys that I like were the leaders when I started coming that like it's because of their lifestyles that like made me like overcome things. Um, so like a big struggle for me was like lust. Um, and I've like met in a couple of weeks, it'll be a whole year that like I've been totally free from like lust and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But that's a testimony to life group, like, because I was able to watch and, like, see a few specific guys that are in this room, I know, um, and, like, see them, like, fight and, like, spend time with God, and I'm just like, what is this? Like, is that possible? Like, I didn't even know that that was possible. Um, so I was able to see that firsthand, talk to these people, call them, hang out with them, get lunch with them, get coffee with them see their mindset, they're like constantly like, oh, I was praying about this, I was spending time with God, um, and just doing all these things, and I'm just like, oh, like, I didn't know that, um, so it was just totally for me, like, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, uh, and that's exactly what I got out of life group, um, so I just want to leave you with, like, the overarching theme is, like, it gave me hope, uh, like, in Jesus, like, okay, there's a community here, they have my back, um, and yeah, it just kind of changed everything. All right, Melissa, wrap us up here. Okay, um, I'm Melissa. Uh, before we came to the church, we started coming in July. We had been living overseas, and then we had been in nine months of transition and um, not having our own home, our own space, or friends. <laughs> and we had come out of a beautiful season of community and friendship. And so I specifically was feeling super lonely and um, no one really felt like they understood what we were going through. Uh, anyway, we came the first Sunday and then 
very quickly. I think I went to the first life group alone because my husband left for a month of training. And it was just like I walked in the room and just the reminder of like the loud, noisy kids destroying a house, like put a smile on my face. <laughs> um, that my kids had a place to like run and meet other kids. And um, yeah, so just like the space, but then also very quickly I was like, oh, this is so nice. We have friends again. But now even last night, Steve and I were talking about how man, for years and years, all the places we've lived, we've had community or we've connected with people, but we have craved for our kids and for us to build a community that, like, builds up our kids with, like, in the Lord. You know, there's trusted adults that we know who are walking with Jesus, and we have prayed for people to do life with that believe in the things we believe in, that want to raise our kids the way the way God wants us to, and even last night, we were just like, man, we have that. <laughs> like, for the first time, it feels like in our whole life of our, our marriage and our family life, like, we actually have that, and we get to do that with other people, and um, just, like, one, like, even practically, my husband was gone for that first month, and, like, uh, health-wise, I've been struggling, and Sarah drove me home from life group because I couldn't, I couldn't drive in the dark and with all my kids, and so they drove and then followed me in another car so they could get back home and just like, just so that we could be there that night. Um, and so we've just, we've been blessed by just the community of people. So it's just a picture of God didn't create us to do this alone. He created us to do this with people and what better place than um, in people's homes together. So. Thanks, Melissa. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing, guys. Hopefully you all are encouraged by those testimonies here. And um, you know, this is, these are testimonies of the church. And what I mean by that is like, man, what does the Bible say about the church? This is not an opportunity for us to say, look, we're doing so awesome. But it's like, wow, when the church acts like the church, man, people's lives are blessed. Things change. And I want this for every single gathering of believers all throughout Northwest Arkansas and our nation around the world that, man, we would really live out what it looks like to be the church. All right, so I'm going to have the band go ahead and come on up, and we're going to close this thing out. Let me end with a couple practicals, and it'll be a little slide to make it really simple for you. Uh, you heard some testimonies. We dove into Ephesians chapter 4 pretty thoroughly. Again, read that. Again, I encourage you, but, you know, what do you do now? All right, and so here, I made it really simple and a little cheesy for you, okay? So we've been talking about connected to the body, all right? Look at this. Look at this. Come on. Look, guys, I took, took me hours to come up with this. Just kidding. Just kidding. No, no, no. All right. Shh, shh. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm good. I'm good. It, it didn't take me hours, actually. Uh, okay, so what now? <laughs> to get connected to the body. Four things. One, be in a life group. Okay, many of you are. About 75% of you guys are already in a life group. And again, if you're not, some of you are like just brand new. And so, of course, there's no pressure, but of course, there's an invitation. So one, be in a life group. Now, listen, for those of you, the 75% of you or so that are already in a life group, please don't check off the three things as if you are for sure doing them 100%. Because I want you to take... Like if we're in a life group, that's step one. Woo, all right, I'm there. I showed up on Wednesday or Tuesday night, all right? But to get the most out of it, to grow the most, to experience God the most, and experience all these things we're talking about from Ephesians 4, you, you need to do a couple other things too, okay? One, the first one being opening up our hearts, you know, being, being vulnerable, being willing to be known. It's hard. I understand. It's really hard uh, sometimes for some of us based on our, our background, but we open up our hearts. And then the next one, devoting ourselves, like Acts 2, the very first line, it says they devoted themselves to all these things. 
studying scripture, praying, eating together, spending time together, selling things, giving to the, uh, those that are in need. So we devote ourselves. We are committed. We stay faithful. We stick it through. We show up to life group even when we're tired. Um, maybe not when we're sick, especially the kids because then it just multiplies. Anyways, that's the kind of multiplication in life group you don't want to see is sickness. Anyways, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but you devote yourself. You stay committed. You stay faithful when you're studying. you got finals. Instead of isolating yourself, you get around your people and you get them to pray for you and contend for you when you're stressed out and you're bugged out and you think you can't do anything else that's the best time you need to show up and devote yourself to the people of God so you get refreshed in his presence and then you get energy to go study all right there you go college students that was just for you guys all right all right but we um and then we yield to the Holy Spirit we say Holy Spirit what what do you want to do in me every time we gather in life group or every time we gather here we want to be open and saying Lord I'm submitted what are you doing what are you growing in me what are you teaching me what are you convicting me of Every time we get before his word or his people, there's an opportunity to grow, and there are things the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. And so we yield to him over and over again. Amen? Amen. All right, and if you are not connected to a life group, here's a quick slide that gives you several, um, uh, really, I think all of our life groups here. Um, on Sundays, we are starting off really soon, an older adult life group uh, right after church. Tuesdays, we got a college one at JBU right off campus, and then a young adult one here in Springdale. Then Wednesday, we got several. We got a college one on the U of A campus, a young adult one in Springdale, and then two family ones, one in Springdale, one in Lowell. So you can take a picture of that if you want to. We can also send that out in our e-news. Um, and again, if you want to get more information about Life Group, stop by Next Steps, or if you want to hang around for lunch, you can come right upstairs to the uh, prayer room and, and hang out for Intro to Antioch, and we'll talk more about that. But here we go. Let's respond to the Lord. Go ahead and stand up to your feet. And we're just going to close out with one more song of worship and an opportunity to pray for each other. All right. So, life completers, once you, uh, or a few of you guys, once you come on uh, forward, what we like to do as we close out the services is um, just make space to pray for one another if anybody needs prayer. And, um, you know, it takes some boldness to come forward, but we, we care about each other and we want to make sure that we're praying for one another. Um, Lord, have mercy. You okay, Lindsay? Hey, we're all going to pray for Lindsay, actually. Lord, heal. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> awesome. Gosh. Um, whoo. All right, all right. I'm good. Um, yeah, we want to pray for each other. And as I was praying for the service, especially knowing what I was going to talk about, I just felt like the Lord was, wanted to give four different graces this morning. Graces, so to speak. One was a grace to forgive. I think many of us in this room, you have been hurt and hurt badly by people within the church. And I just want you to know that the Lord wants to give you grace to forgive. There is grace to forgive. And really, that's the only way out of that hurt and that pain is to forgive. Similarly, number two, I believe there's going to be a grace to heal. Some of you have been wrong so much, but your heart still is hurting and wounded. And by Jesus' wounds, he wants to heal you. Let him into your heart. Let him heal you. Bring up that thing that hurts you so bad, and then let somebody pray for you for healing. Then a couple more. One is uh, there's a grace to believe again in the church, to believe again that it's possible to live this stuff out, a grace to believe. Some of you doubt it. Some of you don't believe it, and the Lord wants to give you a grace to believe it. And last but not least, a grace <laughs> to trust again. Some of you, again, similar to being hurt by others, you've been tempted to not trust, and there's a grace to trust God again and trust others again. 
And as a pastor and the teacher of this message, I am not an exception to everything that I just preached. I've walked through difficult things on both sides. As a member of a church, being hurt by church leaders. As a church leader, being hurt by church members. That can happen too. All right, sheep bite. All right. Anyway, so it's just whatever you have, we, we bring it before the Lord, and, and there is a grace to receive what we need from him. Forgiveness, healing. Grace to believe, grace to trust again. So let me pray that over us. And as I pray, if you have anything that you want prayer for with this topic, just go ahead and come on forward. If not, you can just uh, worship in your seat. And so, Lord, I just ask right now, in Jesus' name, you would release those graces. And even more so, do whatever you want to do, Holy Spirit, during this time. I pray that you would heal hearts, pray that you give us grace to forgive. I pray that we would believe in your church again, Lord. And I pray that we would trust you and trust others again. So thank you, Lord. Come and minister to our hearts, and thank you for making us a people connected to your body. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship where you are, or come forward if you want prayer for anything.